So, great weekend. All right, hunting season is back. Yeah, come on. It's a great weekend. Uh, today's my anniversary. And yeah, come on, give it up for marriage. So, I planned that wrong seven years ago. You know, we lived in Colorado at the time. Hunting season started in early September out there, so I was like, okay, October, it's been going on for a while, it's fine. Well, now it's on opening weekend. So I'm gonna give my wife an incredible gift today, time alone. I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, (laughs) totally kidding, totally kidding. Okay, this morning we're moving into Mission Sunday. Man, I love Mission Sunday because I love missions. Missions, global missions is one of my departments here at Legacy Church and I'm passionate about it. If you haven't talked with me about missions before, talk with me about it because I'm passionate about it. We have the privilege today of hearing from a few people who have traveled with our uh, global mission teams over the last year and then we get to at the end of uh, today, we're gonna talk about our dates for 2024, okay? We've got some deadlines that are on the horizon as well. So let's jump in, because we don't have a ton of time, and we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. So it's so appropriate that right here, kind of towards the end of our series on Jonah, uh, that Mission Sunday is, is happening. It wasn't really planned that way. It just kind of fell into place. And I love how Adam opened the series. He opened the series with the three words from the Lord speaking to Jonah saying, arise and go. It's our call as people, as ambassadors of, ambassadors of Christ to arise and go. You know, we're not all going to travel into the bush of Africa. We're not all gonna go into the jungles of Columbia. We're not all gonna go, uh, you know, to West Virginia or even to, uh, you know, Tennessee. Like, we're not all gonna go to the same place, but we're called as Christ's ambassadors to arise and go to serve him and with the depth of who we are to be missionaries. I wanna jump into scripture to start the day. I left my Bible at home on accident. So I have this little Bible, which if you don't have a Bible, you can take one of these, but you can take this Bible just after the second service, because I gotta use it. Um, But you can grab these Bibles at our Welcome Center or at our, um, what do we call that thing, merch cart on the way out. They're free, just grab one. If you don't have one, if you, uh, you know, maybe yours got all old, you can't read it anymore, grab one. Maybe you're kind of newer to this whole walking with Jesus thing and you don't have a Bible yet, please grab, they're, they're for us as a church to, to learn, to study, to experience the word of God. So I'm gonna read this one. The print is a lot smaller than my print, but I've got 2020 vision, so that's helpful. All right, Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he'll be, he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer to them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil, for his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment with the righteous into eternal life. See, according to, to Matthew's account of Jesus' teaching on the end times, when we serve people, we serve the Lord. When we serve people, we serve the Lord. It's simple math. We respond to the promptings of the Lord. We serve the people around us. And in serving the people around us, we serve the Lord. Now, how does this relate to missions? How does it relate to global missions? Well, the reality is this is global missions. Global missions is not, you know, hosting VBS. Global missions is not... Uh, you know, building some building or having some sort of medical outreach. Those are things that are done within the context of global missions, but global missions in and of itself is serving people. And as we serve people, we serve the Lord. And it starts at home, doesn't it? It starts right in our home. People often, when you talk about global missions, might have this thought process, and some of you might be in this place with global missions where you think, well, why would I travel overseas, or, or, or why would I support an organization that serves overseas when there are people right here in my community who need to know Jesus? There, there are people right here, right here, right there, that need to know Jesus. Why would I go somewhere else? And when people mention stuff like this, my Initial response is, man, you are, you're right. There are people right in our neighborhoods, our neighbors, our next door neighbors who need to know Jesus. So how have you been serving them? What have you been doing to care for them, to lead them closer to Jesus? Oftentimes, the very core of an individual that struggles with this idea of global missions, struggles also with the idea of being a servant. And that's not everybody, right? That's not everybody. But how are we serving as a family? As an individual, serving has to be a part of our DNA. We're called into the family of God. We're called to be Christ ambassadors. We have to start with the people around us. People often associate serving with the church as an organization. The church, uh, in churchy terms, people call it the little C church, right? The, 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 the church as 
an organization, Legacy Church or Spring Hill Baptist Church or I even forget what Maddie's church is called now, but that church, (laughs) Atlanta Community Church, right? Like people associate serving with, okay, well, what, what is, what are, what is the church doing? And, and how can I participate in that? But serving must be a part of who we are. I'm all, I've, I've been over uh, groups for several years, and if you've been a group leader, uh, you've heard me say, put out this challenge that all of our groups should try to tackle one surf project a semester. And the whole idea behind having surf, behind trying to get groups organized into finding surf projects and, and pursuing surf projects is to get in this routine of serving. Right, so we have things like the Harvest Festival. We have things like the Backpack Program and Legacy Boxes, and we have these opportunities to serve, and we will continue to organize those opportunities to serve, but serving starts in our heart with who we are. How do we care for our neighbor? How do we care for our coworkers? How do we reach out to the people around us? Are we telling people about Jesus? Are we inviting people to church? Are we challenging people to grow in their faith or to know who Jesus is or, or just build relationship with them so that maybe they'll gain our trust? That's where serving begins. The opportunities that we have are simply just opportunities to put our serving heart into practice. Serving must be who we are, not an event that we participate in. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be um, promoting our serve team. So we're kind of gearing up, right? We're, we're getting close to uh, purchasing the facility, and we're going to have uh, what we're calling a, can I, can I say this, Adam? Can I tell him about the HP? All right. <laughs> so we're going to have what we're calling a housewarming party where we're going to, you know, we're going to sign papers that following Sunday, we're going to have a, a time where we're challenging our community to come and see our facility. And we're going to kind of, you know, make it exciting and we're going to have, you know, a time for us to come together. And what we want to do is we want to ramp up our serve teams. If you've been a part of Legacy for a long time, you've seen us have serve teams before, you know, greeters and people in the worship center who are helping seed and people who are waving people in in the parking lot. And this is a way for people to feel in the community when they come, when they visit for the first time, like, okay, I feel like I'm at home when I get to this church. When I walk in the doors, I feel welcome. I know where to grab my coffee. Everything looks clean. I know, you know, I know who to connect with. We're gonna have signage and everything like that. And my challenge to you is if you consider Legacy to be your home church, to join a serve team. And you'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. But even our serve teams are opportunities. We must, as individuals, as Christ ambassadors, be a servant and the core of who we are in our heart. And we jump onto serve teams when we serve in missions, when we, uh, you know, participate in the... In, things like the legacy boxes and stuff like that, we're jumping into different opportunities that are available and it's natural because in the core of our being, we're servants. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter two. Verse eight, he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So in other words, servanthood does not get us to heaven. You can join every serve team, you can go on every mission trip, you can you know, be a part of all of the events that we have going on, but those things don't get you to heaven. We get to heaven by grace through faith in who Jesus is. Serving is who we are because we've been saved by grace through faith. Servanthood is who we are. So our responsibility starts at home. We're Christ ambassadors. I wanna read real quick Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. This is part of the Great Commission. In the Great Commission, we're challenged to go into all the world, preach the gospel to all of creation. And then Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Serving starts with who we are, it starts in the core of our heart, and we're challenged as Christ's ambassadors to not keep it here, but to spread the gospel to all of creation. And that's why we have mission partners at Legacy Church. Again, just like these serve opportunities are not the only opportunities to serve, right? Like, our legacy boxes, our harvest festival, these things, they're, like, they're just opportunities that we have. But you can make an incredible difference by identifying the servant that the Lord has called you to be and putting application to that. Wherever the Lord has placed you, most of you are placed in different areas of work, you know, different workplaces. Most of you are placed in different neighborhoods and different areas. And if we were all to mobilize as servants, and care for the people around us and watch people come to know Jesus, we wouldn't have room for people in our church. Same thing with these mission opportunities. When we have partnerships, when we have mission teams that go out, these are opportunities that the Lord has kind of allowed legacy to be a part of, but it doesn't end here. Like these are not the only opportunities that you can be a part of. As a matter of fact, Lee Yost, well, I don't know where she is. Lee Yost, uh, just this past week, she, was, she asked me, she was like, so I'm, I'm organizing a team to go to uh, Mexico. And she, it's, it's, a, it's um, a, a different church in, I think, the Hollymead area that uh, she's organizing the team with. And she just feels called her. Micah went on that team last year. Um, and uh, they, they feel called to mobilize the team to go to Mexico. And she was like, is it okay if I like, put something on Facebook about that? And I was like, Lee, that is encouraged. Like, we, you know, the opportunities we have are simply just opportunities that Legacy Church has. But if you feel called to go to Mexico, tell people about it. If, if, if you feel called to, you know, to go to, you know, uh, San Diego, take people and go to San Diego. If you feel called to go into the, you know, the, I don't even know, do they have jungles in Panama? Yeah, jungles of Panama. Go to the jungles of Panama. Like, our opportunities are simply just the things that the Lord has aligned us up with. 
and allowed us to participate in, but it's not the end-all, be-all of global missions. Our serve projects are not the end-all, be-all of serve projects. We're simply one church organizing what we can, having the opportunities that we have, but I challenge you as a church, as believers in Christ, to process with the Lord, ask in the depth of your heart, where have you called me to go? What have you called me to do? How have you called me to serve? And run after that. When it comes to our serve teams, we're very uh, particular about who we create as mission partners. So uh, we don't want to just establish a partnership anywhere that we have a partnership available, right? Like, one, we don't have the capacity. We have a, you know, small team, and we have, you know, a limited amount of people in our church, and so we can't just grab a hold of every opportunity. I mean, people reach out almost on a weekly basis about starting a partnership with a, you know, specific missions organization, and we just don't have the capacity to take all that on. And so when we establish a partnership, one of the things we look for, one of the most important things we look for, I mean, obviously, is that they're, they're Christ-centered, right? That they believe the same things that we believe. But two is that they are doing missions now while we're not there. So when we send teams, we send teams in as reinforcements. We send teams in to help accomplish a big task. We send teams in, maybe they've got a big construction project and we can you know, rally a bunch of people around them and help them. Uh, we send teams, maybe they're, uh, you know, they wanna have a really big uh, you know, push to do student evangelism or uh, just evangelism in their communities and, and we bring in people and, and help tackle that project or maybe it's a big medical uh, um, project that they're trying to accomplish and we send people in and do that. So, you know, when we send teams into our partners, they're kind of reinforcements, extra hands, but those people are following up regularly with the people that are evangelized to the, the mission partners that we have. They are doing missions, they're serving. I'll give you an example. During our period uh, when we were kind of locked down from traveling because of COVID, we had about a two-year gap with our mission partners where nobody was traveling from any state, from anywhere to that uh, mission partner. And uh, our Bread of Life Africa mission partner, in that time, they, they built and started a missionary training school that they launched into this year. And uh, the churches in that community were exploding because of the work that they were doing, because of the evangelism efforts that were going on. And that was just one example, I mean, a small example of how, man, they were running after things while we were locked down and not able to travel. Now, we were able to send a team in last year and a team in this year to see the progress, to help them with some more efforts, uh, but we could never travel there and they're going to keep on running. Now, here's one thing that I've noticed a trend of over the last, uh, I don't know, 15 years of me doing global missions. One thing that happens that is inevitable is that global missions changes the heart of the individual. And so when we serve uh, globally, when we, when we travel somewhere, and it could be across the mountain to West Virginia, it could be, uh, it could be traveling from your uh, community to... Uh, to Dyke or to uh, Kinderhook or something like that. When we, when we mobilize ourselves and make an effort to do missions, it can oftentimes, and oftentimes is, a catalyst to be a servant, to have the heart of a servant, to develop a deeper uh, 
trench of faith that we can stand in when war is waged against us when it comes to serving. Oftentimes, missions is that catalyst. And so not only do we serve and impact the communities that we're you know, going out to reach, but we're also seeing an impact in our own lives as we serve, and as we go. So I'm gonna go ahead and welcome up our mission teams. All of you guys, come on up. Everybody who traveled on a mission team this year, come on up on stage. I'm gonna move this thing. Okay, let's start with, whoa, there's a bunch of you. <laughs> All right, let's start with, um, with West Virginia, okay? I see Lee and Eric. Okay, raise your hand if you went to West Virginia. Okay, oh, everybody on here. Okay, who's, the, who's talking about West Virginia? Is Eric the spokesperson? All right, come on up here, Eric. All right, so I asked... Uh, for there to be a spokesperson from each mission trip to kind of tell you a little bit about what happened, maybe a takeaway, um, an encouraging thing with the, with the mission organization. And um, we're gonna hear from each of our teams and then we're gonna close. So Eric, tell us about West Virginia, about the Zara House and uh, yeah, whatever you feel led, led to share. Sure, thank you, Neil. Uh, so um, I think what you said just before you called us up was... Uh, uh, is, it has been the biggest eye-opening thing for me with these trips is uh, uh, the work that the Lord does in your life. Um, and these trips uh, obviously involve service and meeting practical needs and helping uh, where, where there are needs and trying to meet those needs. Uh, but the Lord, it does give the Lord an opportunity to do wonderful work in your life and to humble you. And I've been, I've been this morning, it's funny, I actually was, I'm reading through Second Chronicles right now and I got to King Josiah who, uh, uh, this won't take long, sorry. <laughs> I can feel, I can sense here. Neil's uncomfortableness, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, quickly, quickly. Uh, King Josiah, they found the book of the law and he read the book of the law and he tore his clothes and humbled himself and, uh, uh, because of, he knew his ancestors weren't following the book of the law. Uh, the, the Lord ended up judging Judah anyways, but he stayed that judgment until after King Josiah had passed. And uh, he very clearly, the Lord said, through a prophetess, uh, she said, because your heart was tender. And that's something that the Lord has been working with me specifically, is he's is tenderizing my heart and, and softening my heart to the, to, the, to the things of this world and making me realize that I, 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 am, I was a part of that world and the world that often frustrates me and, and in a lot of ways disgusts me. He, he's making me realize that the only reason I'm not a part of that world the world that frustrates me is because of his grace and it's through nothing that I did. Anyways, these, these mission trips have, have been wonderful and huge in helping tenderize my heart and, and soften it towards the people that just need Christ so desperately, just like I did. Um, so I think uh, the opportunity, uh, oftentimes we pray for God to soften our hearts. Lord, soften my heart for missions and then I'll go. Uh, when the reality is the Lord is oftentimes calling us to step out in faith and go, and then he can use these trips as an opportunity to then soften your heart and do wonderful work in your life. And um, I think I kind of speak for everybody on the West Virginia team that you, you kind of come back changed spiritually uh, for the better, so. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, if you don't arise and go, 
a whale will swallow you. <laughs> Just kidding. That's right. Yeah. That's okay. uh, so tell me real quick about Zero House. Why, sure, yes. Why yeah. uh, did you choose to serve with the mm-hmm. Zero House? You sit on the board of the Zero House. Uh, why, do you, like, why did you choose to take time to do that? Why, why is there a Well, the Lord burdened my heart. Uh, just to, as, as bluntly as I can put it, the Lord put on my heart a burden for uh, uh, all victims of human trafficking. And the Zara House works, uh, takes a Christ-centered approach and, and, and you know, meeting practical needs and providing safe housing for women who are uh, victims of uh, human trafficking, sexual exploitation, and all that. Um, so it's... You know, it's not because it's something that I've always been passionate about or it's something that I have a personal vested interest in. It's because quite literally the Lord, I believe, intervened and put it on my heart to, to, and, and broke my heart for people that deal with this type of thing. And, um, and I've gotten connected. Uh, I was connected with them before the missions trips uh, that, I, that I went on. And um, they just do wonderful work. Their, their number one core value is the preeminence of Christ and Christ before anything else. And, and really the only antidote, I've said this a lot, the only antidote to that kind of pain that someone could go through that uh, can be put through that type of thing is, is Christ. There's only, that's the only way to heal from that kind of uh, uh, physical and emotional and spiritual pain. Christ is their only hope. There is no hope that this world offers for these women. So uh, Zara House helps deliver the hope of Christ to, uh, to these victims. So. That's good. Thank you, Eric. Yep. Okay, let's go on to Alaska. Kim, are you sharing? Is that right? <laughs> I guess. I didn't know that until just now, but that's oh, okay. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, so Alaska, uh, you were with Alaska. Was anybody else here with Alaska? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so anyway, okay. these are Alaska representatives. So hi, my name is Kim. Um, I went to Alaska for selfish reasons. I went because I've always wanted to go. And the town that we went to, Petersburg, was also known as Little Norway, and I'm Norwegian. But in retrospect, um, God placed that on my heart. Those things were just a coincidence. Um, I had no expectations. I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't know. I knew we were staying at the church, but I had no idea what our tasks would be. Would we be trying to... um, preach to those that were not Christians yet. Um, I really didn't know. But when we got there and got settled in, when we finally got there, the trip out was um, interesting and long. I'm not a good traveler, and um, I need sleep, neither of which I got on the trip out there. (laughs) So um, anyway, so we got there and got settled into the church. Um, I was the only female. So I don't know if the rest of the guys knew this, but I got my own bedroom with a queen bed and a TV. (laughs) And some of the guys slept on cots in the nursery. So I felt kind of bad about that. And so I always closed my door when we were leaving. I didn't want anybody to know that I had this really nice room. Um, So a lot of our activities were um, helping the church, doing some maintenance, doing some building, and But standing here listening to you talk, uh, sorry, I forgot your name, Um, I realized that it wasn't just the church in Petersburg, it was the Lord's house. And that put um, a whole different spin on what we were doing, right? We were cleaning carpets and building little bridges and 
vacuuming and, you know, just a general cleaning, but we were cleaning the Lord's house. Um, the, the big uh, reason that we were there, I think, was the 4th of July celebration. <clears throat> this church um, has such a big presence in the community. And for several days, we were making uh, chocolate cream pies for pie-eating contests, hot dogs, um, what else did we do? Um, everything. I mean, we were cutting watermelons um, because that church has such a big presence in the 4th of July um, activities. Um, so again, we weren't just serving the community. Again, we were serving um, the Lord by doing all that. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. Um, I was charged with making the pies, and we thought we had all instant pudding. But as I read the box, no. You had to cook the pudding. So I spent hours in the kitchen making these pies. But, I mean, it was, it was fine. Um, I'm glad I didn't have to eat them. Um, I did also, let me just open up my little notes. We did have time to actually um, see the town. Um, God's beauty in the mountains, the ocean, the sea creatures, um, and the people were, um, for me, that was one of the highlights. Um, we actually got to bless a fishing boat, um, a young woman. She was, she was going fishing for squid. And was it a new boat? I don't remember. No, it was old. Yeah. But she was like, it's her second year or something. Right. And so we went to her boat and we wrote scripture on her boat just verses, um, and that was really, that was really cool. I, I wasn't uh, expecting that. Um, the fishing industry there is huge. Um, they have, um, I don't know, thousands of fishing boats. Um, they also have a fish processing plant, and you sure knew when they were processing fish, because the whole town smelled like fish. Um, we also got to witness um, uh, Coast Guard uh, rescue um, demonstrations. That was really cool. Um, the youth activities, um, they have a big presence with the youth. We did um, cookouts at a local community center. We played games like Cornhole and Foursquare. And the church really has a real vested interest in their youth and the community. And we just found out that the youth pastor and his wife are uh, leaving and I think that's going to be um, some hard shoes to fill because they were really, really awesome. Um, I think that's all that I have. Oh, one more thing. There was, that was just neat. There was a low tide one morning, and so we all went down there. And the sea life was really cool. There were starfish and sunfish and anemones and sea cucumbers. And if you haven't seen a sea cucumber, they're like a... Uh, rotten, sticky, mushy, like a cucumber you get from your garden. But it was really neat, and it's something that doesn't happen there very often. But I'm so thankful um, that I went on that trip. Um, it was really, it fulfilled my soul. It warmed my heart. And um, if you haven't served in a mission 
you should. Um, go in with no expectations, and I promise you, you'll never regret it. There you go. I'll take that. Yeah, you, that was a great point. I think a lot of people have this concern of, you know, how do I know if the Lord is calling me to go on a mission trip, or how do I know if the Lord has directed me this way? The reality is, if you decide to go on a mission trip, you're sacrificing time, you're sacrificing probably income, and the Lord's gonna honor that, you know? We don't always have to have this, like, deep urge of, like, I feel the Lord calling me to go to Kenya. We can serve, we can choose to go, and the Lord's gonna honor that decision, so thank you. Uh, okay, let's go to our Africa, Kenya. Mikaelin, are you sharing? Awesome. Uh, hi, my name is Mikaelin. Um, the first thing that I really wanted to talk to you guys about today was just kind of to encourage you in case you're in the same position that I was in before I decided to join. Um, I actually had only been here for like a couple services when Joel came to talk about um, being able to go and, and Robin was here and, and talking to people. And so I felt kind of a pull to go, but it didn't feel realistic for me. Um, you guys had already been talking about it for a really long time and was past deadlines, and it just didn't seem like something I was gonna be able to do. I talked to Robin after um, Joelle got done with the service and just told her that I felt like I really needed to go, and, but I told her my worries. I was like, hey, I, I'm not gonna be able to get off work. Um, <laughs> like, there's just all this stuff that's not gonna be able to work for me. And she was like, just trust the Lord, just trust the Lord. And I just remember feeling um, kind of stressed out, honestly, when I left. Uh, that I really wanted to go and I didn't feel like I was gonna be able to. I remember calling my mom and was like, this is an amazing opportunity. I'm just really, you know, scared. I was in, you know, bondage of fear for a really long time, honestly, until I got to the trip. Um, and so that was something that I had to keep in mind the whole time through the process was just trust the Lord, like Robin told me. Um, I actually ended up finishing fundraising first. <laughs> and so watching that kind of get blown out of the water, like, was like, okay, okay God, you, want, um, you, know, you want me to go, I'm gonna go. <laughs> um, and then also my boss, I had, remember going half to like talk to her because uh, I teach and uh, my co-teacher was out on maternity leave, so it was just me. And I was like, I'm not gonna be able to get off for work. My boss wrote me down for two weeks and she was like, God's gonna figure it out. Uh, so just seeing even just up to the trip, it wasn't even just the trip for me that really showed me you know, how faithful God is. It was even just getting up to that point. Um, so if you're in the position where you're like, I really wanna go and do this, but I'm, it doesn't feel realistic for me, like Robin says, just trust God. He's gonna figure it out, you know. If you're supposed to go, you'll go. So when we got there, um, even up until we, I think a lot of us went through a lot of spiritual attacks. That was one of the hardest things, uh, from family's health to, um, Somebody's back got really rough before we were supposed to go, and you know, plane rides are no fun when that kind of stuff happens. Um, and just, like I said, fear was one of the biggest things. Um, when we got there, it was pretty evident why we were going through so many spiritual attacks, because there was like an abundance of stuff that just, that God wanted to use us for, and he did. Um, I watched those, that bondage of fear being broken off of so many people who were just really scared to pray openly over people, the beginning of the trip, they were nervous and they, you know, they didn't wanna go out to churches and, and speak openly or, or pray openly. I was one of those people, so like by the end of the trip, just seeing myself being able to openly communicate and pray over people out loud and with uh, Lynn's help, who was very encouraging on the trip. Um, it was just, 
a very eye-opening experience. Even outside of the agenda that we were given, there was just so much work that we, we did things that we weren't really expecting to do. There, I remember there was a night that we walked through the village to go pray over someone named Nancy. A lot of the village came and, and we all prayed over her and that was one of the highlights of my trip um, was just being able to see this. And you can truly see the joy of the Lord in these people. Like, you know, their heart to serve also encouraged me to have my heart to serve now after being on this trip. I remember telling them in the mornings when we would stay and pray with the uh, missionary students for Bread of Life that they just had some of the most beautiful souls that I'd ever encountered. And it was because of the work that the Lord was doing inside of them. This trip changed my prayer life through seeing and experiencing it with them. It's changed the way that I worship. So if you have any questions about, or like fears about going, uh, you can come and talk to me anytime after service. I'm really open to talking about it because I would encourage anybody who fills the pool to go, to go. That's awesome, thank you. You uh, just talked about finances a little bit. That could be, that is a major, probably maybe the major hangup for people, finances. And uh, I'm speaking from personal experience. I've been on, I don't know, dozens of mission trips and I've paid, I think, maybe nothing out of pocket, maybe a few bucks out of pocket because the Lord, uh, you know, we, I mean, a big thing we teach when we organize mission trips is fundraising, how to fundraise uh, and different things. And it's just something that, you know, if that's a hangup, don't let it be a hangup because the Lord's gonna provide the finances to get you there. So thank you. Columbia. Matt. <laughs> So I was just looking at the time back there. I'm going to try and be quick. <laughs> so we partner with um, a ministry called Crisolinco in Colombia. Um, it means something like Christ to the indigenous of Colombia, uh, something like that. Um, and we work through um, Advancing Native Missions, which is out of Nelson County. They have a little headquarters on 151. Um, we've I've been on four trips. You've You've been with Legacy twice with Legacy, and he went once before. Um, and as I was, I was flipping through some pictures to get in the spirit of what we have been doing in Columbia, um, and it, it hit me that our, our trips have been um, characterized by, I would say, first contact. Uh, so the last three trips... Um, it's, it's always been all of a sudden uh, the missionaries find out, hey, we just got permission to visit this village we've never been to before. Um, pack your bags, we're, we're going for a hike in the jungle. And, um, and this year, we were told, uh, don't bother packing your tents. Um, you know, you, you don't have to pack your camping gear. And I remember I was like super disappointed. <laughs> I was like, I mean... I'll serve wherever, you know, Semper Gumby, always flexible, so I'll serve where, wherever um, God sends us, but I was a little disappointed, and we had, we had packed all our bags, and we left on a Monday, and on a Saturday, I got a message from Brandon, the missionary in um, Pueblo Bejo, where we serve. He was like, pack your tents. We got permission to visit a village, and so I, I texted the team, and I was like, unpack your bags repack all your camping gear where it's it's an adventure <laughs> and um 
So yeah, so I'm going to talk about the, the first half of our trip, and Chris is going to mention the adventure part. So um, the, they serve, uh, Brandon and Daisy are the missionaries in Pueblo Bejo. It's a mountain town. Um, a, it's about 4,000 feet in elevation. Um, so it's very cool, but it's still very jungle. So there's banana trees and mango trees in everybody's backyard. And um, so the first half of the trip... Uh, they had during COVID, they had built a missionary training center in the backyard of their house. It, it has like, it's still um, under construction. It'll have uh, four little apartments and it has a, a lower area for um, church. And they use that for training um, indigenous missionaries. And so when the first uh, few days we were there, we, um, we were asked to each speak and so we were hurriedly preparing something <laughs> the night before. And it's just amazing to see how God works because um, there were four of us on the trip. The two of us, Malcolm Kennedy, who used to attend here and moved um, to like Chester, and then Matt Schwenk, Adam's brother. And, um, and I had told everybody in preparation, I was like, hey, have a little message prepared ahead of time just in case. And we're all busy. We, we work all during the day and, and nobody had a message prepared. <laughs> And so we got there the night before, everybody's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to speak on? And we all had our heads down, and of course, Matt had, he's got like a bank of messages, so Matt's like, yeah, I'm already done. <laughs> and uh, so, and it was just amazing to see how, so we each gave our message um, over the next couple of days, and it was just amazing to see how um, independently we had each come up with something very different, and, but they all meshed together, and and one of the things they do there is um, they have like a time of music. It's very similar to our uh, services here. They have a time of music, a time of bringing the word. Um, but then instead of ending, they have a time of sharing where they go around the room and, and people um, speak about how what they just heard touched their heart and how it moved them and, and how you know they may do things differently in life. And so... It was, it was really interesting because it reinforces um, the message and, and how God is working differently. With the same message, you can hear how it worked differently in different people's hearts. Um, and so we were, the message we were bringing was to um, young adults, so anywhere from like 18 to 24. And one of them was uh, the pastor of the village that we were going to be seeing later in the week. Um, and then, so that was in the mornings, and then in the evenings, we, um, we worked on a kitchen for Manuel and Doris and their six kids. We, last, uh, last year, we talked about them. They were um, indigenous Arawakos who accepted Christ, and they were kicked out of their village uh, because they became Christian. And so they were homeless, and they were, they were squatting on a squatter's land. <laughs> That's how bad it was. They weren't just squatting. They were squatting on a squatter's plot. So this year we got there, and they had their own squatting plot of land. I'll, if, if you're curious how that works in Columbia, I'll, I'll tell you. But it was, basic, it was smaller than this stage. It was a family of eight, and it was just black plastic tarp wrapped around some sticks with some sticks for a roof and black plastic tarp over that. It was like a sauna in there. It was well over 100. And, um, and their kitchen was in there too, which is not safe. And so we, were, we spent the afternoons building an outdoor kitchen 
that was um, metal corrugated roof and timbers. We bought the supplies there in town with the money that we raised for the mission trip. And um, it was such a blessing. And, and Manuel is doing training at the missionary center now to become a missionary. So that was our first half of the trip was um, worship in the mornings and then construction in the evenings. And then we woke up at two or three in the morning for our uh, village trip. And I'll let Chris talk about that. One thirty. Get the exciting part. Uh, unfortunately, unlike my brother here, I need this. And worse, these. <clears throat> I want to start with uh, just a quick scripture. Um, comes from Colossians 2, verses uh, uh, 1 through 3. Says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So with that, uh, as Matt said, uh, we didn't really know we were going on this hike until uh, a day before we left, because we actually left on Sunday to fly up or uh, head up to the airport. So unpacking and repacking was a whole chore in itself, and just to fit in a, a two-pound tent was uh, <laughs> quite difficult. Uh, but. Anyway, so we left about uh, 1.30 in the morning, and we took a, uh, it was a four-hour drive to the mountains, and then a nine-hour hike to the village. Um, this one, I would say, was worse than the first one. Say it's a big blur. <laughs> <laughs> I, say, I say it's worse because this one was just like, uphill all the way, both ways, <laughs> in the snow, with the sun shining, mountain crags you had to climb through, it was, it was ridiculous. Um, got to ride a burrow. <laughs> yeah, we got to ride a burrow. <laughs> uh, the trip was very difficult. I'm 56, and I'm not in the shape I should be in. Uh, but uh, the Lord brought us through, and uh, we, we did pretty good this time. But to, uh, to really talk about what, you know, really stands out to me was this, this verse. I, there are two things. Uh, one, I am horrible at taking notes, especially when I'm on a mission trip. And the only thing that's worse uh, than me taking notes is my memory. So uh, I bobble a lot. <clears throat> but as I prayed about this, and, the, and I believe the Lord showed this to me, our, our major function to go on these trips is to encourage people. That's what we're there for. We're there to encourage them. 
yeah, we do projects, we give money, you know, we do all this stuff, but that's just a part of the encouragement. What I found most is that these people, these believers, especially the believers, just want us to come. They just want us to visit them. I mean, they live, I mean, for us it was nine hours, for them it's probably five or six. But they just want us to come and to show that we genuinely care about them and are interested in their, you know, in, in their lives and, and what's going on and what's not going on and, and the troubles that they have to, to you know, walk through every day. You know, it's so different than what I see here in the American church. It's, it's you know, literally night and day. But it's just an an incredible thing to see how people are so encouraged just at the sound that you're coming to visit. You're not even there yet, but they're excited that you're coming. And when you get there, that's all they want to do is they want to be with you. They want to, you know, talk with you and pray with you and pray over you and have you pray over them. You know, like Paul said that he wants to be mutually encouraged by the believers you know he's not coming just to be the preacher and to bless them but he's being blessed and encouraged as well and and that really is striking for me and it never fails every mission trip that I've been on which has been now three to Colombia and I went to one to Bulgaria some years ago uh, that's what these people look for that's what their heart exudes is the encouragement they want to be lifted up they want to want you to know their struggles they're not looking for money they're not looking for you to do things they just want to as we always say here is live life together and uh, it was an incredible trip again uh, the rocks are slippery so be careful awesome thanks Chris <laughs> yeah amen Thanks, everybody. Y'all can go ahead and head back to your seat. Let's give it up for our mission teams this year. Okay, Ben, y'all wanna head on up? Okay, we're gonna next to the last song. I'm gonna hand this to you. Um, I, got a, I got a few things to sum up with. Um, just some information for you. So we're going to, I'm about to trip. We're going to, um, to, Yeah, we're gonna nix it. Yeah. Oh, we're telling Ricky. Ricky's gonna play guitar solo for us. <laughs> uh, okay, so real quick, I've got trip dates for 2024. Okay, and then I wanna tell you, well, okay, let's start with this. West Virginia, we're gonna do two trips to West Virginia this year, okay? The first one is gonna be, and there's, this information is gonna be on the website, and then I've got sign-up sheets at the missions display in the lobby. There are two tables with sign-up sheets. You can sign up for, um, just to get more information. That's not, this is not you committing to the trip. This is just you saying, hey, I want information on this trip. Um, and then, like I said, this information early this coming week will be available on the website, as well as the application for the trip. So, West Virginia, May 23rd through 27th, and then September 19th through 22nd. 
Columbia, we don't have an exact date nailed down, but it's roughly the 7th through the 15th. It's going to depend on flight times and a couple factors as well. Uh, and then uh, Alaska will be uh, roughly, again, roughly June 30th through July 7th. And this is, okay, this is where I need to uh, tell you about something new that's going on. Uh, so Bread of Life is an organization that is uh, established in Africa, in Kenya, uh, historically for the last uh, 15, uh, probably 13, 14 years, we've been in uh, Kenya specifically. Years ago, they launched into South Sudan uh, through different, uh, you know, revenues of turmoil. They had to pull out of Sudan for a while. And this year, they've, uh, you know, like I told you, they started the School of Missions. They've taken a full class through the School of Missions. And in 2024, they're going to send missionaries full-time back into South Sudan as well as into Tanzania. As Joel visited here, I sit on the board of this organization. That's why I know a bunch about it. But uh, when Joel was here, we were kind of working through some different things. And what we decided was that this region, so uh, Joel's connected to different regions around America. One is in Colorado in the surrounding states. One is here in the surrounding states. One would be the uh, Charleston, South Carolina area and surrounding areas down there. Uh, this specific region is going to focus attention on Tanzania. Uh, Charleston is going to focus on um, continued efforts in Kenya and then Colorado and South Sudan. Now, we're all going to be involved in all of the different stuff together. We might be sending teams back to Kenya in the future, but in 2024, we're going to send the first ever Bread of Life team to Tanzania. That's going to be roughly July 7th through the 20th. Okay, so those are the dates. Um, I think that's all I'm going to say. I had more to say, but we're, I'm going to pull an Adam and be like, that's it. So, <laughs> all right. So let me pray over us. Again, my challenge this morning is that as we hear about all this mission stuff, that we would identify and evaluate our heart. Where, where is my heart as a servant? You know, forget about international trips or across the mountain trips or any of that, but where is my heart as a servant? Do I serve the people around me? Does my family know my heart in serving? Do my friends know that I'm a servant for the Lord? Or do I uh, just kind of, you know, show up to church on Sunday and kind of live my life? So let's evaluate our hearts as a church. I'm gonna pray over us. Feel free to get any information you want in the lobby, sign up for the mission trips, and then we'll see you throughout the week. So let's